I'm Corey Crenshaw. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome back in Sporty Nation with another Coyotes win. The Coyotes are up on the series 2-1 to one now. I know you were all excited, so I can't wait to get in on this episode that we are especially putting out on Thursday with my amazing and wonderful co-host, Richie Suave Flores. How you doing? Well, earlier today, my nerves were an absolute mess, as I'm sure yours were, as I'm sure most of the Sporting Nations was during that hockey game. Um, but it was a fun game, and the Coyotes won, so it's a good day. It's their biggest win as a team in nearly a decade since the last time they were in the playoffs, and their backs were up, up against the wall. And after a really rough game, too, which they look like utter garbage. And uh, I'm excited, and I'm celebrating on this Wednesday night with I have a nice glass of vino I'm drinking right now. Ooh, it, very nice, very classy. Yes, yes, I'm drinking the. Uh, Knocking Point White Wine. It's called Loud and Clear. It's quite delicious. Uh, I'm not the biggest white wine person in the world, but I like this. It's it's nice and uh, nice and nice and easy. You know what I mean? Like not a lot of craziness to it. Nice and light for a nice Coyotes victory. Yeah, I mean, I think all of us were absolutely just shitting ourselves basically throughout most of that game um especially in that first period per se so i think a nice vino is very much deserved because that was a hell of a past two days having back-to-back games like that is a lot for the soul to take especially when it comes to this coyotes team yeah it's uh i i was it's a it's an exciting time for phoenix sports not only are the coyotes doing well but the Suns off to a good start in their little restart. So we got a lot to talk about on this episode. We're not going to talk much about game two because it was an utter disaster for not only the team, but Darcy Kemper played awful. And it was just it was just a whole ass mess. So I'm glad that we get to talk about game three instead. And so we should uh, we should start with with what we saw in in the first period, Corey, which was the Coyotes getting outshot, what was it, 19 to, like, what, five or six, something like that. The Coyotes didn't get their first shot on goal until they had been outshot eight to nothing. Uh, but it was Darcy Kemper's period, man, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, it, it was definitely Darcy Kemper's period. He basically saved this team from utter destruction in the first period of this game because – they played so much on their heels that it almost looked like they didn't have skates on their feet. It was like they never woke up. Like I had tweeted from our sporty account, like, come on, boys, wake up, because this game looks like they were sleeping all the way through it, just going through the motions, and they were getting dominated all the way through the first period. Outside of the one the one goal on one shot um, that was – basically going around the internet today even like spit and chicklets was having fun with the fact of having people caption their photo of uh 12 shots to offer uh, nashville to arizona's one shot with one goal 
And um, it's just, I don't know, it was a crazy period. I mean, I think that that goal was slightly owed from the game before because of the fact that there were some fluky goals in that last game that were the, the Coyotes were playing better than Nashville. They were looking like the better team, but they weren't scoring and Nashville had gotten some lucky goals. And part of the biggest issue that this team has is once they start kind of going on a downfall, they don't really rebound. I'm glad that they ended that game with those two goals because it really did help them coming into this one with some type of energy, but um, which is basically what Nashville did after the first one. They had a very solid third and brought that into the second game of the series um but I this first period was honestly what you start to see out of the Coyotes once you go into the third period and I was really hoping that they would do a a role reversal from their normal which is um coming out really strong and really great and really high energy in the beginning and then coming out and flattening out in the end and I was like that's usually where they get into trouble and you're nail biting at the end because of the fact that they have lost a lead, but it's nice because they are always the most comfortable when they are the underdogs and they're having to claw their way back. And so the fact that they started off flat and then started pulling their way back after that um, is really great. And as long as they don't trash themselves in the first period, I'm okay with them sticking to that as opposed to doing their complete downfall they usually do yeah and to kind of touch on something you said where they just looked slow and they and they didn't look like they were sleeping and they needed to wake up there were they spent so much time standing around in that first period you know we saw earlier in the series where taylor hall back in game one set the tone we talked about on this show he went out and threw a check a massive check. Alex Goligoski went out and threw a massive check early in game one, and that set the tone for that that game one. Whereas here in the first period in game three, a lot of guys were just standing around, including Taylor Hall, who did not have a good first period, um, where he was uh, – there was a, a play in the neutral zone where he had the puck in the neutral zone, and the Coyotes were back on the heels at this time, and he just kind of stood there with the puck on his stick. He, didn't, he wasn't skating, wasn't moving, wasn't looking for a pass. He turned the puck over, and it led to a national scoring chance that, that Darcy Kemper was able to stop. And, again, I don't know how – like, Darcy Kemper was not good in these first two games. Like, he was average in game one. He made the 39 – he made the 40 saves, but he still gave up three and got bailed out by his offense in game one. In game two, he was piss poor. You know, he, he sucked, for lack of a better term. And then in this game, he just found the form of Darcy Kemper somehow, some way. And, and yeah, without Darcy Kemper making those stops that they made in the first period, it should have been a 3 to nothing lead for the Predators. And it was just bang, that game would have been over. So, somehow, some way, this team dug deep like the Coyotes do. They scratched and clawed. Right now, Corey, I'm, you can't see me. I'm wearing the scratching and clawing shirt right now. And that was – they brought that slogan back during this game because that's exactly what they did. They scratched and clawed their way to that goal. They caught a break. Nashville made a mistake. Let Christian Dvorak go clear and free right in front of UC Soros. What a, it was a great shot from the point uh, by Nicholas Dromelson, who doesn't usually get in on the offense, but he shot the puck and Dvorak got the goal. And we know how good this team is when they get the first goal of the game. When they get the first goal of the game and they lead after the first period, 
they're good. They win probably 60% of the time. And, and uh, they weathered the storm. And as the game went along, they, they were getting better, right? And, and we saw every player pretty much improve. Derek Stepan, Vinny Henestroza, Michael Grabner had good games. Phil Kessel started taking a step forward in that second period. And we talk about all the time, Corey, everybody's got to be chipping in. And then from that second period on, that's exactly what happened. Yeah, first of all, I would like to take a minute to um, to point out that doesn't Jalmerson's, like, name just sound like something you would say while you're eating, like, a really, like, caramely dessert? That's what it sounds like to me. It sounds like you're you're min- mincing up your words when you say Jalmerson because it's so much, like, to say all at once. But maybe that's just me. It just, that's what it sounds like whenever I hear people can, say his name. Yeah, can you use that in a context? Like, can you... <laughs> can I use it in a context? Uh, yeah, and, like, and and how I would what and how how I would sound when I have I don't have caramel near me, so I can't really put some caramel in my mouth and try and and say something. But it's like when you can't move your mouth enough in order to make like legible syllables come out of your mouth, they oh, yeah. kind of mumble all together. That's what his Rose, his, Rose. yeah his his name sounds like that to me, Jomerson. Yeah, yeah that's what it sounds I can like see that. It, that's it, funny. It's it, it just it's I know it's a little bit strange, but as I was listening to you say it, I just kept on thinking that it sounds like you have like caramel in your mouth when you're saying it because it just like and but everyone sounds that way. But that's just a weird little thing that I wanted to throw in there. So you know that can haunt you for forever because it haunts me. Um but in this team I I think the best part was the fact that they did start looking better and the fact that they were having production from people that we had been looking for production from um, for a long time now. I mean, Connor Garland, we had talked about on a couple podcasts before we came into the series saying that he was one that we were looking for to see production out of, and we hadn't seen much out of him until today. So it was really nice to see him get that goal, and it was set up by uh, – it was a great setup by Stefan. He had mentioned it twice in the – the post-conference and um he basically just was given the opportunity because Stefan had set it up for him and that was one of the things that was a bright side of Stefan this game was the fact that he he was uh, so good in this game this was the best game maybe he's had all season yeah he played so well he was uh Nash kept calling him like the Swiss army knife because he was playing so much back and forth in this game that it was just so much consistency out of him it, that was so great to see and and in that goal that he assisted Garland on they were looking at him he was essentially a distraction in that goal so it was nice to see how much effort he, he you got out of him um and to be able to see actually Garland produce for once like we've been looking for him to see like to see out of him in the series yeah, going back to that goal, and I tweeted this at the time. I was like, holy shit, Derek Stepan. Like, he looked like the much younger version of Derek Stepan on that goal. It was incredible. He, he, he managed to, uh, to uh, take away the puck from Nashville in their own zone, and he raced through the neutral zone looking like he was the flash, carrying the puck clean into the offensive zone. Like you said, stopping up, drawing the Nashville defense, allowing Connor Garland to get right down the middle of the of the uh, of the Nashville defense there and then just dig UC Soros out of his jock strap as as Tyson Nash said on the broadcast and I, I saw somebody mention that on Twitter um earlier today because I know you 
uh, we're having an enjoyable time listening to Tyson Nash today. And I saw your tweet where you said he he got he helped you de-stressed during the game because of the ridiculous things he was saying oh my gosh okay so there was the um uh, there's a nashville shot that came a little bit later i don't even remember exactly what it was but it went off one of the posts and he had said that there was more pipes in this game than in home depot or someone went to home depot and got that was really funny i was dying like sometimes it's just it's literally it's not this the stereotypical stuff that you would hear and i just start busting out laughing because it's like i laugh the most at things that i'm surprised at and like i'm surprised about the things that he says like 90 percent of the time so i was i was absolutely dying and i'm and i'm saying this as like i was full-blown like clutching a blanket like making weird noises one of them like before um i think it was before garland's goal i like it literally almost count came out as like a like a moo and uh and scotty was like what was that and i go i don't know it's a manifestation of my nerves right now and he scored right after that and he was like well now whenever you get nervous you're gonna have to essentially moo because um apparently brought them good luck but i I was so nervous that I was making weird noises and the only thing that was able to calm me other than goals was um was his uh commentary because it just it it surprises the hell out of me and makes me laugh like most of the time and you know I'm right there with you because I was at the uh, radio station today obviously and um during the game and I'm in the our control room and we have a door, obviously, into the control room. And for the most part, I like to keep it open just because it's like, I don't like being cooped up. I feel like if the door is open, I, I have a little bit more open space. So I had the door open and I had, and our station is a bare bones crew now because of COVID. So there's probably a dozen people there, if that, at the radio station at any given time. And so I had the door open. I had multiple people like walk by and tell me, Richie, we can hear you all the way down on the other end of the radio station. That's how insane and crazy it was getting. I was yelling expletives from time to time. I was making weird noises. I was like jumping up and down. I was too antsy. It was it was ridiculous. And one of the one of the times where I got the most pissed off for a moment was in the third period when it looked like when it looked like former friend of the Coyotes, Kyle Turris, had given the National Predators the lead, and then Steve Peters, our 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 god, our our genius, our true first star of this game, called say, down MVP of the game, called down to John McLean and said, "Hey, challenge that play because the Predators were way offside, and that." completely changed the outcome of the game in my opinion when that happened the coyotes just found another gear and were able to take control of the game from there oh absolutely that would that to me was 100 percent the turning point in this game it was and even talkett had said in his post conference in fact that he felt too that that was the turning point because he really saw the guys wake up after that it was the they were given an extra opportunity and they weren't going to waste it, which is nice to see for once that they 
they saw that that was a blessing that they were given and they were going to take it as far as they could. You also have to wonder too how much anger had set into OEL by that point because it was after um, the hit that he had from Watson and where he had to go in for concussion protocol, which was probably good because he got up um, looking like he didn't know where he was. So they probably needed to have him go through that for sure. But um, you have to think between the combination of OEL coming back, just straight up pissed off, and um, that goal being overturned, it was literally the best combination of things to get this team pissed off and going. And to kind of kind of bring things uh, back full circle a little bit here, because I know we wanted to talk about this, it just goes to show you that um, Corey, you brought this up to me too, which is what Rick Tockett said of after the game about how after that first period, they just stuck to the system and it turned out in their favor. And that showed up again after that overturning of the goal where they just stuck to the system and, and the Coyotes ended up finding a way to score three goals there at the end of the game. Yeah, and that was – I, I think there is um there's more to um the quote of what you said and I and I can't remember it word for word but to paraphrase he was basically just talking about the fact that the thing that we talk about all the time about the fact that they seem to not rebound from adversity very well when they have issues in a game and they start going downhill and that is what happened in the second game and he he was just very happy in the fact that. Um, they decided that they weren't going to do that in this game, that they were going to come back with it, and they weren't going to, um, you know, start playing individually, which is what they normally do. They they continued to stick to their systems and play as a team and communicate. This team's a very quiet team. They start to shut down on themselves and uh, be very internal, and the fact that they continued to work together and uh, stick to what they know and being the best Coyotes that they can. And it paid off for them. So it was really good, especially with a young team. That's, you know, you can tell their youth is really holding them down in some ways and that they're really struggling in this type of power play situ or power play and playoff situation. Um, so it was good for them to gain that confidence and the fact that when they are down, they can come back and they, you know, you don't, just because you are behind or aren't playing as well or whatever, don't stick into that. If you stick to the systems that talk, it was giving them that they could come back and start playing well again, I think was a big confidence booster for them going into this. Yeah. And that's a, that's a great point because Rick Tockett has talked about during this series about, you know, staying even keel and, and how a lot of these young players are taking cues from the veterans and how they go about winning hockey games. And this was the perfect example of the younger guys learning how to win. Like you've got to have games like this where you are, you face a lot of adversity because even, you know, you take a look at the entire stats of the game and, and they were still down in terms of possession they were still down and, you know, expected goals for for most of the game. And they were still down in scoring chances for, but they came out on top. And and they were able to, in that third period, frustrate the National Predators, which is what the Predators did to the Coyotes in the second game, where 
they were just playing such lockdown defense. The Predators were in that second game that the Coyotes just got frustrated. And like you said, Corey, they just – and like Talk had said, they just started to play kind of single-handedly. And some guys were just trying to make too much happen. But in this game, it was the opposite, where in that third period, the Coyotes started to frustrate the Predators. Darcy Camper frustrated the Predators. And they were able to find that extra gear, and they were able to – get that Connor Garland goal and it set them on their way. And, and that brings up, that brings up uh, the power play, which we want to touch on because um, it's been one of the biggest keys to this series. We, you know, the Predators took advantage of it in game two. Uh, in game one, the Coyotes um, only scored the one power play goal that I think coming into this game point, they were like one for 10 on the power play, but coming into this game, they made some changes on the power play and it worked as we saw the, Phil Kessel shot the rebound and Taylor Hall absolutely burying the puck and breaking the camera in behind um, UC Soros. Yeah, they were one for two on the power play today, which is a nice 50% for them, um, which is much better than your, as you had pointed out before, 10% so far. So, um, you know, capitalizing on um, the power play is never really been a, a you know a a thing that they have been good at as of recent and uh phil housley came in today talked to talk it and asked if he could um switch around hall and kessel and it paid off today because of that goal that you had just described you know like the fact that it bounced off it was a rebound off of uh phil kessel shot you know it just worked out perfectly and the fact that that's what, what he had moved around and so um I think that's definitely a big deal. I think it's also a big deal on the other end and the fact that, you know, that they were disciplined today. It was a, not a very good first half of the game for them. And even once they started getting their strides later into the second period, they were still having some really sloppy um, neutral zone play, which was leading to a lot of turnovers. And um, so the fact that they were frustrated probably in this beginning part that I would assume they would be somewhat frustrated. They looked very lackadaisic to me, but I mean, um, but the fact that they were able to fight through that and still be disciplined enough to only give away one penalty um, during this game is, is a big deal too, because all of their games leading up to this, I, and I feel like it may not necessarily just be them. It's, it's also um, the refs. I feel like are a little bit sensitive to everything that's been going on on the ice that having this little of power plays is a big deal and is the first for this series in particular. And so I, I think that it needs to be, you know, just as big of a nod because of the fact that, um, you know, in, in a game where you aren't playing to your, to your peak, they, you can't be giving up penalties on top of that. So the fact that they were able to stay that discipline, I think is also a big deal in this game. That's a, that's a 100% great point. I'm glad you brought that up because especially since the Coyotes were the team that was defending for most of the game. And when you're defending, you're usually the team that's taking team that's taking penalties. And we saw that, you know, in games one and two, where a lot of the time when they didn't have the puck, they would take penalties. And there were a lot of penalties in the first two games and, and there were, there's a lot of penalties league-wide. In fact, I have the, the Oilers and, and Chicago game on right now as we're recording in the third period. And there's been – I think there's been close to, like, I don't know, what, 
nine or eight or nine penalties taken in this game and the third period just started. So the fact that, yeah, you're right. The fact that they stayed out of the box was very, very impressive to me. And this is a team who, if I'm not mistaken, all season was one of the leaders in terms of least penalty minutes in the league. Um, and so, Grant, their penalty kill was really good. But we've seen Nashville have the ability to, when they ha- have the power play, it's they usually use that as an opportunity to gain momentum. And so they weren't able to do that um, today because in the second and third period, I thought at least their scoring chances, I don't know if you saw the same thing as well. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, if you saw something different than I did. But I thought that Nashville's scoring chances in the second and third period weren't as great. I thought they did a good job of holding Nashville to their scoring chances coming outside of, of you know, the kind of inside between the circles, basically. The house, is, as, we, as we see um, mentioned a lot of times. Did you see the same thing? Do you think the Coyotes did a better job of holding the Nashville Predators to a lot less scoring chances in the second or third, or, or am I just crazy? Yeah, I mean, uh, one of the things that they definitely noted from the pre the, in the second game was one that the way that Nashville plays defensively is that they like to clog up the lanes, and so um, a lot of times you don't have those uh, those typical lanes that you would like to have, um, and then you on the other end they don't really care about anything other than flinging the puck at the net. They just really want to be flinging it over there, not really getting too worried about taking quality chances. They just want to honestly try and get as many pucks on net, hoping that they will get in. Um, And I think, you know, it's a great testament to the fact that Kemper was able to stop all those today because of the fact that, uh, you know, like, what does that say about you if they're thinking, oh, well, if I just keep flinging pucks in the net, they're bound to come in even if they're not quality. Um, but I do think that they were starting to get a little bit more desperate and they were starting to get very heavy handed on that first line of theirs. And Roman Yossi in particular was I was on the puck every two seconds it felt like they were constantly going to him trying to get him to produce something for them and if they are stuck in that desperation that's the place that the coyotes want to keep them in because of the fact that you know you can only have your top players playing for so long on the ice before they start to get gas especially in back-to-back games you can't have them uh constantly ruling the roost the entire game so um the fact that they got into the, I saw them kind of move into that desperation was really nice to see out of uh, this Coyotes defense. And the fact that they took those notes from the previous game, they made those adjustments um, and all their adjustments panned out. Yeah, they absolutely did. They worked out. It was a better game for the Coyotes. Uh, impressive win for the Coyotes. They now take, of course, that 2-1 series lead into games four and five. Game four on Friday. At 11.30, again, which sucks. But that doesn't uh, – the time start doesn't seem to affect this team. Um, before we, we move on and close out the show with uh, with Corey's Corner and, and Dick of the Week, um, I want to be sure to talk about this because this is really funny. So uh, I was on the Zoom call, obviously, after the game. And um, I got to give a shout-out to Greg Wyshynski, uh for asking this question he uh, from ESPN. And um, – 
<laughs> he, he was asking about how the Coyotes busted out the Kachina jerseys today, which are great. I got uh, – I put out a tweet today where I said that uh, the Kachina jerseys are the best in the league. Don't at me. And everybody loved that tweet. A lot of people agree with me. But Greg Wyshynski asked about the Kachina jerseys and about the mojo. And I don't know if you saw this too, Corey, or not. But uh, <laughs> Rick Tockett was joking about how – him and the rest of the coaching staff had like a 20 plus minute conversation the night before about what to wear on the bench for game three. And they finally decided to go with, with the Lulu, the Lulu lemon today. And it paid off. Never a bad idea to go with the Lulu. Um, yeah, no, they asked him if he was superstitious about the Kachinas, if the Kachinas made a difference. And he said that he didn't really think the Kachinas made a difference. He's like, but we did, it did take 20 minutes for us to pick out a jacket. We decided to go with the Lulus and um, that uh, they were going to be wearing their Lululemon jackets again um, on Friday. So if that means that he's superstitious, then he's superstitious, which was the funniest answer I think he could have given because he never once admitted to being superstitious. He just said, if that makes me superstitious, then that makes me superstitious. It 100% makes you superstitious, by the way, but we all can't hate on that. I, um, I had gotten mad at myself because I had like changed what shirt I had worn since the first game to the second one. And then I was like, I shouldn't wear it uh, again today. And then I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go with the way that this team is, and this team fights its way back. And I'm glad I did because that's essentially what they did in this game. Um, I, so I, I think it's a quite, an interesting, quite an interesting thing. I also happen to know that um, one of the employees also hasn't been watching the game because uh, he's trying not to jinx it as well. So um, apparently we're a very superstitious country down here because everyone is trying to do what they can. I think when you haven't been in the playoffs since 2012, um, you just start to get into desperation mode. And uh, even the least superstitious people have now become superstitious. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Uh, I know I have because – like you mentioned, you would change your routine for games one, two, and three, and I did the same thing. Uh, in game one, I I got up early. I went to Dutch Bros. I bought a delicious cold brew. They have a new cold brew that is called the Camp Out Cold Brew, and it's like a toasted marshmallow cold brew with like a delicious topping, like a soft, soft top, like cream topping or whatever. It's delicious. So I was like, all right, well they won, so I'll do that. I'll do that again. In game two, they lost. So I was like, all right, well, I can't do that again. So I was like, all right, well, I'll actually wear something Coyotes related today. So that's what I did. I, I busted out my scratching and clawing shirt. I wore a Coyotes hat. It worked. They won. So I have a feeling I'm going to do the same thing on Friday. I'm probably going to bust out uh, one of my Coyotes shirts and throw a Coyotes hat on. And uh, hopefully the Coyotes can close out the series on Friday. 100% and I'm gonna start putting some like good energy I'm one of those people like I am one of those people that says like someone will say something and I'm like please don't put that energy out in the universe um, I'm gonna start doing that because at the beginning of this game in the first period I go the bright side the I go the, the con of this game is the fact that they're playing like trash the pro of this game 
is the fact that if they keep this up and they're getting all these shots on goal and none of them are going in, Darcy Kemper is going to frustrate the fuck out of this team and they are going to implode upon themselves. So uh, that was what I said in the beginning of this game. I think I may put some more juju out there um, just to, you know, it's not like the level of um, voodoo doll type thing, but it's like verbal (laughs) voodoo doll. And so I, I think I might put that out there because I mean, it went, all the way to the point where it was like basically a line brawl at the end because they were that frustrated. So um, I'm glad my my bad juju I put out led to that. 100%. I think we're all going to keep up our routines for game number four and hopefully that the Coyotes close it out and move on to the uh, the actual first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, it's, right now it's looking like Colorado has the driver's seat for that first seed in the Western Conference. Um, so that's probably likely who they would play unless Chicago pulls out this series against Edmonton, um, which they still might do. But uh, anyway, before we move on, a couple things. Uh, go visit our store, Sporting Nation. It's great. We put up some new merch this week that says Summer Hockey 2020. It's great. Uh, Corey designed it. Uh, we also have some masks available. We have some cool T-shirts available. Uh, you can go find that on our Instagram um at Corey Richie show on instagram uh to buy some brand new merch make sure to uh follow the network at hockeypotnet make sure to uh follow both Corey and myself at r flores 91 for myself at Corey nicole with two e's for Corey. um and uh and yeah do you have a do you happen to have a Corey's corner this week Corey? Um, so I was going to actually use my Corey's Corner to just ask a question out to all the Sporty Nation because um, I've heard that uh, this Arizona Coyotes fans are the most interactive on Instagram under, I think it was Canes or something, I don't know. Whoever number one was does not matter. Um, they were number two. Um, so... I wanted to just have our Sporty Nation interact with us on whatever social pleases them. Um, I just wanted to put out the, the question, like a, I don't know, like a bat signal, I guess, out to the Sporty Nation, um, the Sporty Signal, um, of the question that I would love for you guys to say, Sporty Signal received, and your answer um, of who you guys would like to see the Coyotes face um, if they get through this round and beat the Predators, because I also am very superstitious in the fact that I don't say these things as, like, they are going to happen until, like, it, it's it's happening type of thing. Like, I don't want to jinx it at the same time, you know? I will knock on wood if I'm in those situations, including when people talk about Darcy Kemper playing good um, while they are in the defensive zone and Nashville is taking a lot of shots on net, Matt McConnell making me nervous today, not knocked on wood off of that. But um, so I won't say it in that sense, if they move on, who would you like to see the Coyotes play? That's a great question. In fact, I'm going to put that up on our Twitter right now, actually. So by the time you hear this, it will have been out for a while, but I will make sure to put that out and, you know, put in our four options, Colorado, Vegas, Dallas, and St. Louis. 
um, and we'll see what everybody chooses. Right now, it looks like um, the Dallas Stars will not be a part of that. I think they lost their first two. Yeah, Dallas not going to be it. We're not going to face Dallas because I'm they not, lost their first. I am two. not sad about that in the least. Exactly, one hundred percent. Because I Dallas would have beaten the shit out of us. We we do not like the Dallas Stars on this show. We think they're dirty and awful. But uh, that's a great question. I'm glad you posed that question. It's a really good one, and it's something we uh, we hopefully we're going to talk about on Sunday after the Coyotes close out the series. But um, we already had Jacob Chikrin knock out uh, Clayton Keller today. We're we're almost injuring our. That own was players. ridiculous. We don't yeah. need anyone else injuring injuring anyone on the ice. So uh, yeah, I would not like to play Dallas. Yeah, no. If you there's lows of lows and lows of lows is taking out your own players. Uh, yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. All right. Well, let's. Uh, we usually do this every week, so let's let's close out the show with um with Dick of the Week. Corey, shall we do that? Absolutely. Dick of the Week this week presented by Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com. Put in the promo code THPN, and you get twenty percent off and free shipping and also by the way Corey's corner was presented by coolhockey.com if you go to coolhockey.com slash thpn then you enter the promo code thpn you get 30 percent off of your jersey and you can make that happen thanks to the hockey podcast network but my dick of the week this week is not hockey related but college football related I don't know if you saw this or not, Corey, but the uh, NCAA said on on Wednesday when we were recording this that they have decided to cancel all Division two and three college sports this season because of COVID. And yet they are still going forward with college football and the FBS this year. And when I saw that, it made me so angry because – Boosters. Exactly. You hit it on the head. Money. The NCAA said F you to all of the sports and the colleges that don't make them any money at all. And it's a shame. And yet, when it comes to the sports that do make them money, college football, they're like, hey, guys, we don't care about COVID. We don't care about your health. We don't care that any of these athletes don't make any money from us. We're going to completely take advantage of you and try and continue on with the college football season. And that is stupid and ridiculous. And it once again proves that the NCAA is the most corrupt organization in sports, bar none, and that includes FIFA. If I had my choice, I would disband the NCAA right now, get rid of it, try to come up with a new model, start paying college athletes. They should get a piece of the billions and billions of dollars that college football makes on an annual basis. In fact, I saw this from somewhere where ESPN makes just on ad revenue alone, Disney. So ABC and ESPN makes nearly uh, actually over a billion dollars, I think in ad revenue from college sports. And yet the athletes that make that happen that we all tune in to watch every Saturday, get none of it. So my dick of the week this week is the NCAA. They can shove it up their ass I hope that they get smart and the NCAA football season doesn't happen. Yeah, and for those of you that, that don't know, um, just a little side note, 
I, I think it may have shifted now. There might be like a little bit less or a little bit more, but it used to be that there's like seven companies that own everything in media and Disney is, is one of them. Just an FYI. Yep. Yep. 100%. All right. Well, uh, that's going to wrap it up here for uh, Sporting with Corey special Thursday episode because of the last uh, game, two games over the last two days. We wanted to make sure we got you all the information about game three. It was a great discussion. Great game. Great, great win. Biggest win for the Coyotes in nearly a decade. It was a lot of fun. We hope you enjoyed it too. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Any last words before we go, Corey? Oh, yeah. Good night and good hockey, everybody.